everybody. You ever record for like three minutes and then or, realize the audio or fifteen? Wasn't? Mm-hmm. That's what just happened to us. But yeah, we are live now. That's fine. I am John Dye, and I am Jenny Noonan Dye, and we are here today as your twin hosts. Yes, thanks for joining us today. And you have one novice and one very professional podcaster in front of you. But you got to guess which is which. You know, for our kind of, uh, I don't know, introduction here, because this is our first time on this podcast, we thought we would do just kind of a brief introduction. John and I are related to each other by marriage, our marriage. We met on Twitter maybe a little over seven years ago, yeah. seven and a half years yeah. ago. And uh, we we have been married a little over s- just just six years. We have 11 children, so you can go ahead and figure that out. Um, Do yeah. the math. So that's, the math. that's how that goes. Yeah, and just a little bit of background, how we met. I think the audience might find this interesting. Um, I worked for a group called Bonneville Communications, Boncom, uh, that's under the Deseret Management Corporation, the DMC umbrella, which is the for-profit arm of the church. And I did uh, influencer outreach and social media back in the days of Mormon.org, uh, a term we don't use often anymore, but um, worked with influencers. And Jenny Noonan Dye was one of those influencers. She is an OG blogger. Sure. Ask your mom what that means, what a blogger is. Um, but you know, as of late, I also happen to be a member of the cultural hall host panel. And for a very fun few years, I got to be the co-host of the Mormon news report with Brant Malone. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And we did some good come follow me lessons every Sunday morning when, uh, something called COVID-19 was around. Never heard of it. Yeah. Never heard of it. Anyway, we're excited to be with you today. Um, but before we jump into the stories, you are doing some interesting things with the motion picture studio for the church. Yeah, I work in casting for the church. And right now we are getting ready to film another season of the Book of Mormon videos. So today what we and casting did was we watched a very some very rough cuts of what we filmed most recently, which will be available to the general public this September. And, you know, I tend, I'll be honest, I'll, I tend to be kind of critical about media that the church you um, are. puts out. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> Surprising to zero people who know me. Yep. Uh, and I was moved to even tears today uh, with emotion. I'm really excited for people to see these uh, these films that these little pieces that we've put together little that's awesome it it, it really is yeah. it, we did so much filming last year not only in different locations in Utah but mm. also in Hawaii and in Oregon so really excited for those to to come out and just kind of as a little plug for that people don't realize that there are lots of needs for casting mm. for the church and so if anyone is interested and i mean anyone you don't have to have experience even or or um or live in Utah there are lots of opportunities. If you go to casting.churchofjesuschrist.org, you're able to fill out a profile and format it to your preferences of notifications of the kinds of projects you'd like to work on, what you'd like to be notified about, and so on. So just want to put that out there. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, and I am with skylight.org now. What's that? Let's tell you what skylight is. Um, if you go to skylight.org, you will find, um, I think something very interesting and innovative. Um, our goal as a foundation is to work with the youth of the world, regardless of faith tradition. So this isn't just church centric, but we work with, uh, Muslims, Hindus, Jewish, Christians, um, others to help the youth of the world connect with a higher power. Um, that's important. And there's, there's a reason why the church is partially funding this effort is there is, uh, a, a growing need. It's always been a need, but it's growing even more to help the youth of the world feel recognized and seek after God's love or the deity of their choice. And so skylight.org, check it out, see what you think. Um, and, and we'll go from there. Yeah. There are some interesting stories this week in all of Mormondom, if I may say that. I think you can. Yeah. Where do we want to start? Do you want to go ahead with this article from the Salt Lake Tribune? Absolutely. Do you want to read the title? I sure will. LDS President Russell Nelson wins praise, peace prize as tireless champion of radical inclusivity. Okay. And that's the Tribune? It is. Okay. I was going to say, just based on that, it Number one, he wins it, which is incredible. <laughs> Morehouse College, for those that may not know, that's located in Atlanta, Georgia. And this has to have some tie to, to the NAACP, right? Yeah. So he he was awarded, what's it, what it's called is the inaugural Gandhi King Mandela Peace Prize by uh, Morehouse College, which like you mentioned, is an historically black school in Atlanta. And... Um, what, did, what was your question? Well, no, oh, yeah, 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 it's yeah, tied the NAACP. to the NAACP, right? Right, yeah. Um, what uh, What is his name? Carter, um, the Reverend Reverend Lawrence Carter, who's the founding dean of the college's Martin Luther King Jr. International Chapel. He said to President Nelson, he said, you know, you, you've worked tirelessly to build bridges of understanding rather than create walls of segregation. You have led your great church to link arms with the NAACP, the United Negro College Fund, Morehouse College, and Spelman College to help more people enjoy the light of participatory democracy. Yeah, that's incredible. And and I think um, President Nelson does uh, personify that. I think he's done a great job reaching out across, um, you know, out, out to those a of other faiths, but those of other ethnicities and, and skin tones and, and really helping enlarge um, what we as a church are known for in reaching out to others. So I think that's good. Now, interestingly enough, I did a little research on Morehouse college, Martin Luther King um, jr. Did graduate from there as did Spike Lee, believe it or not, the front row guy at all the, the New York Knicks games. So um, again, as, as Jenny mentioned, uh, very steeped in, in black tradition and, um, uh, mainly serving that population. But I think that's cool. Anytime you're recognized, right. To, to be able to represent the church in that way. Um, we have a deep hole to dig out of though, don't we? We absolutely do. Um, I, I do want to mention here because the trip man- mentions this. I think it's important. It's part of the article reads, God cares for all his children. Nelson said, differences in nationality, color, culture do not change the fact that we are truly sons and daughters of God. 
And as a follower and witness of Jesus Christ, I have only come to understand that divine truth more deeply. The Latter-day Saint leader repeated words he has said before that racism, sexism, and a host of other isms are universally and tragically limiting in the way we regard and treat each other. Any abuse or prejudice toward another because of race, nationality, gender, sexual orientation, culture, or any other identifiers is offensive to our maker and defies the first and second great commandments that we should love God with our hearts and our neighbors as ourselves. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great quote. Very good quote. So much needed and much lauded recognition to our prophet, to our president. And, and that's great. All of those help. Okay, what's story number two? Speaking of abuse. Uh-oh. How's that for a segue? Ouch. Listen, we can't shy away from this stuff. This, yeah. I, I intentionally chose this reporting from the Deseret News on this, on this story, um, which was from just a couple of days ago. Arizona Supreme Court upholds Latter-day Saint priest penitent privilege in sex abuse case. The Arizona Supreme Court has ruled that the state's priest penitent privilege law exempts the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from revealing information from a confidential spiritual confession. So there was a case recently where uh, three children of of a man uh, who actually has died by suicide while he was in jail because he was arrested for child pornography Um they filed this lawsuit and essentially were saying, you know, my, my, my dad came to, to our Bishop to say he needed help with this and the Bishop didn't report it and the abuse continued. And so the question then becomes what responsibility from a legal standpoint does the, does church clergy have Mm. in reporting those cases of abuse? And so that is what the, Arizona Supreme Court has said that that uh, that if it is a spiritual confession situation scenario, then then there is no requirement. No requirement to report it. Yep. Um, you know, and and in this article, of course, it also quotes President Nelson again hmm. from last year's one of uh, last year's sessions of, of General Conference, where he says, "Let me be perfectly clear: any kind of abuse of women." Children or anyone is an abomination to the Lord. Those who perpetrate these hideous acts are not only accountable to the laws of man, but will also face the wrath of Almighty God. In the Arizona case, the local Latter-day Saint Bishop, who heard the confession from Adams, asked him to report the abuse to police, but Adams refused. Hmm. Adams also declined to give the bishop permission to make the report himself based on Adams' confidential confession, according to the church. Hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's deep. What are your thoughts? Oh, I have so many, <laughs> so many. Thoughts. What, are your, what are your thoughts in three minutes or less? Nope, nope. I'm okay. not even going to give three minutes to it. Okay. Uh, we needed, we need to do better. I am not a lawyer. I don't have that sort of. Um, I'm also surprisingly not a bishop. Mm, um, mm-hmm. Also, I think that if we're going to say that abuse is not okay, if we're going to say that it is not tolerated, then we need to figure out a way institutionally to not tolerate it. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, there so many of these lines are blurred and, and I think anytime the victim 
is not protected, then we need to repent and do better. Yeah. What is the, what is the role of privilege then? Do you think specifically from clergy, but also from a legal perspective, what, uh, you know, are there any interesting um, parallels there that you feel should be, should be kept, could be, or should be construed differently than they are currently? Do you, do you feel if abuse is even mentioned, it should have to be reported? Um, where do we draw that line? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, and um, I, I think that if, look, I think that if someone comes in, in a confession, you know, kind of from a spiritual perspective way, they want to make a confession and it involves the abuse, the violation of another person, I think one option to consider might be that the bishop, you know, it says in this, in this article that, um, that the, that the bishop asked the man to to report it and he refused. I think it may become a case of, um, look, you've got, you you know, you've, you've reported this. If you don't go, if you don't turn yourself in, I'm going to. Right. Um, and now, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and guess that some people would push back and say, well, if that happens, then that will prevent people from, from coming, in. coming in. Okay, let's prevent people from doing it. Yeah, yeah. Well, th- the issue I have is there has to be a voice for the voiceless in yeah. this. And uh, again, I, I will not be one to say that I know where that line is, nor, um, you know, nor, nor will I... Um, tried it to, you know, um, try to try to say we should create that line um, because there's a lot of nuance here. That being said, we do have to do better here. I'm not sure again exactly how to do better, but we do need to represent those that cannot speak for themselves, um, those youth, especially if this individual. And if memory serves, he did come in and confess himself. And he was, again, as you said, recommended by the bishop to go and, and, um, and, and share that with, with the authorities. He did not do that, but the bishop didn't do anything either. And um, again, the victims here are the children. Yeah. And, and, you know, to your point about, about, about this, this privilege, this law, then there's a line also in this article that says the bishop asked Adam's wife to report. Yeah. She refused and later served a prison sentence for failure to report sexual abuse. Now, so then we look at the bishop and the whole thing is he is not required to serve any time for, for failure to report sexual abuse because of his position as bishop. But Mm -hmm. also let's remember that these, that any calling is, is, service it's he it's not his job sure. even though that is his his position and i mean not to i guess not to downplay who a bishop is but if you if you're looking at it in the sense of the calling and the career sure he's kind of just some dude sure <laughs> do you know what i'm saying like yeah he's re- representing he might- the savior in in duties that he has, but on a volunteer basis and thank you for your service. And there, like you said, there needs to be, we we can't just be like, Oh, well, thank you for sharing with me that you are abusing your own children who are also um, people over whom I have stewardship. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, there's, there's gotta be more that can be done here. It's complicated and trying to, to, trying to do something here. Um, trying to untie this knot is hard, but, but again, we do need to give voice to the voiceless and assist them. And again, where that answer lies, I'm definitely not one to say, but it is, it is sad that all that transpired and, uh, you know, the church I believe does have, um, does have responsibility to assist with that, especially when those ecclesiastical, um, interviews are taking place. Yeah. Great. Well, shall we leave that heavy topic and maybe move on? This is not a lighter topic, actually. Actually, no, this, this is sad. Uh, this is straight up tragedy. Um, it, it is with sadness that we share the news of the death of a young missionary assigned to the Honduras San Pedro Sula West Mission. Sister Maria Jose Chavez Garcia, age 20, passed away on the evening of Tuesday. April 11th, 2023, Sister Chavez began feeling ill a few days ago and was admitted to the hospital where she was diagnosed with leukemia. Sorry, we have dead space, but I think that for those of you not um, not seeing the reaction, there's uh, there's tears. Sorry. No, that's that's okay. Having Do you want me to fill in? If you want to. Oh. I mean, I don't know if you can see the article um, oh. without your glasses. But um, anyway. <laughs> I cannot. Doctors began emergency treatment, but she suffered complications and passed away. She was from uh, Culiapa, Guatemala, and began her missionary service in August 2022. We send our love and prayers to Sister Chavez's family and the missionaries of the Honduras San Pedro Sula West Mission. As we remember her faithful service, we pray they will each feel the love of the Savior during this difficult time. So anyway, as someone who has sent her daughter yeah. on a mission, yeah. this is why. I, I was going to make that point. I yeah. think that was a visceral reaction for many reasons. One being which you had a daughter that served. We had a daughter that served. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing that strikes me with this, beyond the fact that it's just a straight out tragedy, as you mentioned, is the the speed at which it she just started serving in August of 22, so less than a year ago. And when she was diagnosed, it, boy, it was, it must have just proliferated so quickly because that was a, a, a you know, it was fast, right? Yes. The timeline yes. was was very quick. So, yeah. so anyway, our condolences go out to the mission, to the family, to all those impacted by, by that sister and her passing. Yes. Um, so let's, let's move on to some, some great news, Please, some actual great Please. news. Um, this is, I think really cool. Miss teen Philippines, Hawaii has decided to gather donations of school supplies for Filipinos. Um, it, her name is Marielle Magdirila, <laughs> I think Magdirila. She's from the Waipahu Hawaii Stake. She competed for Miss Teen Philippines Hawaii, and she made a pledge to donate school supplies to students in the Philippines. As I planned to visit the Philippines later in the month, I thought, what better way to build my platform than to serve my community there, she said. My mom inspired me to collect school supplies for a school in our local province. I knew I wasn't the only person to have unused school supplies. Mm. It felt like the perfect 
match. So last December, Mariel won the title of Miss Teen Philippines Hawaii. And within a week, she hosted a school supply drive Mm. and she received enough donations to create more than 100 student supply bundles. She says, I felt a strong desire to be a change. I had a purpose to fulfill. This service was my way of showing Christ-like love. I just think that's super cool because anytime you have an opportunity, you know, if you have what a microphone in front of your face, if you have a camera on you, if you have, Mm. if you're on a stage and you, and you can choose to say something um, and use your powers for good, this is what this girl did. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, and remind me that was covered in church newsroom or was that? That is from yeah, the church newsroom. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we will have, by the way, there will be links to all of these in the yep. show notes. So yep. go ahead and, and, and look for that. But yeah, that's, that's outstanding that she'd do something right. Um, and I, I guess what I would say about that too, number one, congratulations. Number two, it's not uncommon, right. For people to use platforms for good. And I think that's great. This is obviously a member of the church. And when people are put in public positions like that, I think there's a lot of good that is done that sometimes isn't as recognized as, you know, Miss Teen Philippines, Hawaii. Um, So kudos to everyone doing good things in the world. Sometimes you're recognized, other times you're not, but keep doing good. Yeah. Thanks, John Dye. Speaking of doing good, there is, and also speaking of newsroom, (laughs) Speaking of blood. Oh, oh wait. wait. Blood what? drives. Oh, yes. Blood drives. The church okay. provides donations to the American Red Cross. This is there there is this article about success stories from 2022. There is an ongoing collaboration between the church and the American Red Cross, uh, which helps those impacted by disasters, serious medical conditions, which will of course continue to be ongoing. The church has announced a donation of $8.7 million to assist with the purchase of biomedical equipment mobile blood donation centers and programs to assist those with cancer or sickle cell disease. We are profoundly grateful for our longstanding and remarkable collaboration to deliver urgently needed relief for people facing life's emergencies, said Gail McGovern, president and CEO of the American Red Cross. The church's incredible financial support and the steadfast commitment of your members make a difference for people in need every day. Mm. Um, In 2022, the church remained the largest single Red Cross blood drive contributor. And, you know, I, I know that when I have gone to donate blood, only a couple of times have I gone to like the Red Cross center, like in a building in a strip mall, right? Mm. It's, it's usually because I was already at church and the signup sheet went around that, Hey, in a couple of Thursdays, the the Red Cross is going to be at the stake center mm-hmm. and I'm going to go donate blood that, that day. You know what I mean? So it just, it having these, these mobile, this mobile access really makes a difference, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and to hear that the church is the single largest donor, if I heard uh, you correctly, uh, uh, the largest single Red Cross blood drive, blood drive contributor. Now blood, blood oh, isn't the only thing that the Red Cross does, right? but right. as far as blood drives grow, uh, go, Mm-hmm. Um, the church is the biggest, um, the biggest contributor because in 2022, the church provided a donation of 5.1 million to the Red Cross and, um, some of the efforts supported by the church, uh, church aid included 
increased outreach to African-American communities to fight sickle cell disease, critical blood services for people battling cancer, improved effectiveness and efficiency of blood collection operations in the face of fluctuations in the blood supply and the lingering challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. So, Mm. I mean, yes, the blood drives, that is part of it, but it's also, you know, there's, it sounds like research going on and and targeting specific uh, communities in need um, as well as disaster relief. So, yeah. yeah. um, You know, this reminds me though of, um, of Eagle projects. Mm. May they rest in peace. Um, at least Moment church wise. Right. But I, I remember the go-to always for people who wanted an easy Eagle project was, Hey, you be responsible for the list that goes around and handing out treats and doing all that. So kudos to everyone that has done that, that got their Eagle. Um, again, this was a shoe in I'm sure for, for many of you, I don't actually, I don't want to downgrade anyone's Eagle project, but again, I remember working with youth and, and, um, uh, those ones that we needed to make sure got it, that had a relatively easy project. It was always the, the Red Cross blood drive. And I will take your word for it. Okay. You will believe me. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Do we have time for one or two more? Well, just kind of in line with that, the church, the church has new platforms, um, so that you can continue to be informed about the church's humanitarian efforts. So basically um, in January names of social media accounts changed from Latter-day St. Charities to yes, yes. at care. Their handle is at caring dot church of Jesus Christ. It's all part of the rebrand, right? Yep. Yep. So that's interesting. Yeah. So there's that more attribution, more recognition there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Peggy Fletcher Stack had an awesome article in the Salt Lake Tribune mm. um, titled Women at LDS General Conference. Fewer are called, fewer are chosen, fewer are quoted. To the surprise of no one. Um, I know this was mentioned in last week's This Week in Mormons. Um, I don't know that that uh, the article specifically was quoted, but um, again, at the just completed 193rd annual general conference, for example, mm-hmm. of the 33 speakers in the five sessions, two were women. And once again, I bring to you, we need to do better. Well, let's talk about that briefly. Do we, I mean, we, the, the evolution of general conference, how many years ago was it? Five, six, seven, that we had actual people, speakers speaking in their native language, Mm -hmm. and it would be um, translated, closed captioned into English. That lasted, I think, just one session. Um, Then we had alternating priesthood and Relief Society Saturday evening sessions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I do remember when uh, sisters literally just said an opening or a closing prayer and maybe, but, but yeah, this number seems extremely low. Um, you know, it seemed like the one, the pendulum swung one way, meaning we had more sisters speaking at one point, it's kind of swinging back. Do you think they've got to be aware of this, right? I mean, whoever's creating the, the agenda for general conference has to know the, the, the amount of testosterone versus estrogen that's in the room and who's speaking. Um, wh- what are your thoughts? <laughs> Again, with the thoughts. Not enough time. Yeah. Not enough time. Uh, I don't even think that it's a pendulum swing. I think it's a crapshoot. 
Oh. Um, except that it isn't random. I, I, like you said, like there are these, these sessions are planned Yeah. and we need to do better. There needs to be more. We need to hear from more women. Women need to be quoted more, cited more. Mm. We need to, we need to hear their voices, their experiences. Um, when, especially when we're, you know, we as women are are told that we need, you know, by our own profits, that we need to use our voices and we need to be heard and speak mm. up, mm-hmm. and then we're not given the opportunity. Yep, to do so or to pulpit. yeah, representation matters, um, and we need to do better. Okay, do you think um, uh, Peggy calling this out will have any um, influence on what happens moving forward? Uh, I want to hope so. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Peggy is a is you know t- such a well respected, award winning, well deserved award winning journalist and and a member of the church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who actively participates? Right, and and her her religion reporting is just unmatched. I mean, it, it's it's so wonderful. And she does one thing I love about a lot of um, things that she does that she tends to do is you know she will. Um, well, I don't want to, I, I don't, I can't speak to her methods, but I do see sometimes, you know, crowdsourcing, she will ask for, yes. for voices. What do you think? And again, we will have a link to this Tribune article in the show notes so that you can see that she, she cites people and their own experience. Um, uh, women who say there, you know, there's one here, there's no scriptural mandate against women speaking at general conference. The brethren are not even limited by the small number of roles they have chosen to allow women to hold as general officers of the church. They can ask anyone they want to speak, even if they do not hold one of those mm. callings. And there is precedent for choosing speakers from outside those ranks. Mm. Um, I mean, have we, have, you know, have we heard teenagers speak? Mm. I, you, do you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I mean, yeah. there, there's really, there's not, there's not a, yeah there's not a quota or there's, there's specifically no requirement. There's no excuse. Oh, That's, there's no excuse. That, I mean, good for you for being nicer than me. <laughs> <laughs> there's really, there's just no excuse. Like, right, like, right. like it's, it's been time. It's, it's overdue. It's, it's sorely overdue. It, it's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. For those that, that want to comment on this, um, obviously if you're watching this on YouTube, go ahead and comment below. I believe those comments are always open and, the email address is something. Yeah. It'll be down in the show notes as well, <laughs> but we do have that. It is contact at this mm-hmm. contact at this We'd love to hear what your thoughts are about this and yeah. What, you know, what can be done? What should be done? Was it just right? Should it change? We'd love to hear, hear your opinion on this. Yeah. Okay. What, what's our next article? Uh, I, I think we've got, you know, just kind of one more. Yeah. One more thing. Let's hit it. Is it something about moisture? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Listen. In Utah, which happens to be where John Dye and I are currently, mainly because it's where we live uh, currently, we have been praying for rain. And we so has got Governor it. Cox. Yeah, well, our governor asked that we do so, but anyway. And he's been chided or derided by 
Um, Everyone. Well, who was the late night or not the late night guy, the HBO Max guy that um, John Oliver? John Oliver, mm. right? Back mm-hmm. in the day, made it's fun almost of his birthday. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Governor or Johns? Johns. Johns. John okay. Uh, anyway, we prayed for water. The moisture prayers worked. It worked. And you guys, we are righteous, obviously. <laughs> I, I did see a graphic this morning about, you know, there are different kind of flood uh, levels or drought levels and we just how it's, it is astounding the levels that we've, we've gotten away from drought to closer to where we need to be. That being said, with it be, having been such an intense, long winter, here we are now with spring temperatures, and the result is flooding. So all mm. that to say, even if, I guess just as a reminder, <laughs> hashtag not sponsored, um, go to justserve.org. Mm. I just checked it before we began recording, and in our area where we happen to live, there are opportunities for things like filling sandbags in preparation for areas which are anticipated to, which likely will, and which absolutely will flood. And if you happen to be in an area that isn't Utah or isn't affected by flooding, still go to justserve.org. It's a super cool tool to to find opportunities to serve and good ways to use your time. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah much needed here along the Wasatch Front. Obviously, that's what we're familiar with, but mm-hmm. um, opportunities everywhere. Um, if you have opportunities to serve, you can upload those to just serve. If you have opportunities where you want to serve, it's, it's kind of the, the app store for service, right? Mm. Those who have, um, service projects can drop them there. Those who want to serve can also go there to find out what to do. So yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, as we wrap this up, yes, if people have, um, comments or want to, want to give their opinions, where might they go? So you can find This Week in Mormons on social media. On Facebook, it is just search This Week in Mormons. On Twitter, it's at The Real Twim. Twim is the acronym for This Week in Mormons. Twim. So, so that's T-H-E-R-E-A-L-T-W-I-M. The Real, because apparently there are some unreal Im- twins, Im- right? Imposter twins. I guess so. Sure. So... Hat yeah. tip to Jeff Openshaw, who created the real twim, right? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. And then again, you mentioned it before, but uh, there you can always email contact at thisweekinmormons.com. Yeah. And if people want to follow you personally, Jenny Noonan Dye. Oh, yep. If you want to follow me, uh, do so at your own. Peril. Yep. <laughs> Correct. I was going to say discretion, but peril is probably more apt. My handle is at formerly Fred, and that is F-O-R-M-E-R-L-Y-P-H-R-E-A-D, as in bread. What about you, John? Formerly Fred. Yes, for me, it's very easy. On most platforms, I'm at Dijo, D-Y-E-J-O. Yeah. All right. So as we lead us out. Yeah. Have a great week. Yeah. You know, love to hear from you. Love to hear from you. And hopefully we've done a good enough job to be invited again by Kurt Frankum, who, who now is over TWIM. So um, again, appreciate everyone listening and following um, TWIM uh, this week in Mormons. They do some great stuff in sharing the best news and the most relevant news, not always the most happy news Mm -mm. as we found out today, but I think the most relevant news and things you need to 
to understand, to be in the know in all of Mormondom. Remember who you are and return with tacos. Yep. <laughs>